Hello and welcome to another Hoop Shradamus podcast. I'm Adam Shalafu, joined by Josh Sclair. Josh, uh, in the northern suburbs today, I know you were in Milwaukee last night, and we have a lot to talk about. Yes, we do, my friend. It was a wild night of hoops the last two nights, but it's been, the last two nights have really been a great, not, forget night, just day of hoops. Experience, I, yeah. <laughs> I got to say, this has actually been one of the most fun times that I've had watching sports because you not only have baseball during the day, you got basketball all day, and you got hockey all day. You get three sports yeah. in one day, and two of them are in the playoffs right now, or at least get into the playoffs, and it gives a great balance. You get everything you need. If you're at the if you're at work, you can watch the you know you can finally watch if you love the Hawks, you can watch that or you can watch the Bruins, whatever you want, basketball, the Nuggets, anything you want during the day to keep your mind off what's going on. It's good. It's really doing well now. And the NBA has just been so awesome because they got rid of all the bad teams. You know, exactly. uh, the worst team out there is probably the Wizards and the the Nets, and uh, the Nets will still probably make the playoffs. But it's just been incredible the competitiveness of these games. You know, we had the overtime game. Um, between the Grizzlies and the Blazers on Friday, and then the overtime game between uh, the Mavs and the Rockets. Both of Thursday's games were decided by two points. And then, uh, you know, some really exciting games. The Raptors coming out and smacking the Bucks. The Pacers upsetting the Sixers. The uh, Thunder beating the crap out of the Jazz. And then going to overtime today against the Nuggets, you had the, another overtime game uh, – or, or no, I'm sorry. That one didn't go to overtime. It felt like overtime between the Celtics and the Blazers. Uh, the Rockets and the Bucks were an incredible game. The Mavs and Suns were was a game decided by two points. I mean, it's just incredible, <laughs> just how good these games are. And I don't know if that's just pure luck or what, but it seems like every other game's decided by, you know, two points or going to overtime. I think a lot of it has to do with the with guys, some guys not being fully healthy, two, some guys not being in shape, which allows the other guys who were staying in shape to play a little bit better, and three, team chemistry. And I think, you know, this is, you know, team, everyone's not playing 100%. And there's no home court advantage, so maybe it just shows how tight it really is because that really does make a difference when you're feeding off that energy, I'm sure. I 100% agree, and I think that right now we are seeing pretty much an evil play, an even playing field when it comes to all these teams. And the thing that I really enjoy is just that we are getting close games, mm-hmm. and we are finally seeing, hey, you know, these guys can make some noise, or these guys can make some noise. The Raptors are doing great. Miami's doing great. The Nuggets are doing good. The Bucks, I mean, the Bucks have been doing pretty solid, but they're still, you know, there's question marks. We'll get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. The Spurs have looked nice. Everyone's been looking relatively good so far, at least the teams in the playoffs that we saw, but I think we've seen definitely the most competitive part so far has been, has, you know, it's just been fun to watch, just seeing all these teams out there trying to win as hard and playing as hard as they can because they know what's at stake. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the Spurs looking like they might just sneak in and make the playoffs for the – it would be the 22nd year in a row. 
dirty, dirty son of a bitch. You always find a way. <laughs> yeah. he, he always does find a way. And Derek White is just playing some of the best basketball of his career lately. It seems like they always have uh, some random guy who just comes in and shows up, you know, and through the first three games, Derek White with 26 points against the Kings uh, with five assists and eight rebounds. And then another really fantastic game to follow that one up against the Grizzlies. He had a 16 points, seven assists, six rebounds. And then tonight uh, almost led the Sixers to victory. DeMar DeRozan had a pretty good game as well, uh, but 20 points for Derek White again. And so who knows? I actually. Uh, let me turn the question to you because it's very interesting looking at the bottom half of the Western Conference and, you know, let's not get into uh, whether or not we agree with it because it's such a rabbit hole. But the fact of the matter is uh, Zion Williams is or Williamson is only getting like five minutes at a time. And so I personally think the Pelicans are in trouble you know they got the win against the grizzlies today uh but with was zion williamson not playing a, a ton and the pelicans uh, still have an uphill climb who gets that eight spot right now it's it's kind of a dogfight between the grizzlies the trailblazers spurs and pelicans well one thing i do want to say is i gotta give a shout out to zion because zion did not he's, he's not he's not completely in playing shape Man looked like a man amongst boys. I mean, he definitely looks like he's in playing shape. He looks cut as hell. He's just uh, – Yeah, I mean, that's what some people are saying. They were saying he was overweight. I personally thought – I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. This guy looks like he's – I see a 6'6", 285-pound truck driving through the lane. I'm just thinking, uh, can I get out of the way? Yeah. It was ridiculous today. He's One thing I definitely need to see is his free throw shooting was not up to snuff tonight. It was 5 for 10. Still – he had a phenomenal game. You know, one thing I do notice, definitely, in these younger guys, their free throw shooting needs a lot of work. A lot of these guys are not great free throw shooters. Some of them are, but usually I feel like the marker – we've watched this. The marker of great shooters is usually how well they shoot from the free throw line. We've constantly mm-hmm. seen the best shooters generally shoot at least 83% from the free throw line. Would you say – I think my cutoff is kind of like, okay, where's that cutoff? I'd say you got to shoot 80 to 85% before you're really going to get me in that category. But Well, the Pelicans as a team shot really bad from the line today. and One and a uh, half, which was a struggle. So I'm not going to yeah, put – Still won the game. Still won the game, but I'm not going to put him in that eight spot just yet because I do feel that, you know, there's still a growing team, and those, you're, those two losses are extremely hard to make up. Right now you're two and a half games back. Zion did have 25 minutes, so that's – a positive encouragement there, but it's just, uh, you, can not- need 30 from him. you need 30. Uh, you know, if you're really going to put, if you, re- I think they don't really care if they make the playoffs. I think they're just saying, I th- you know, yeah, I, I agree. I think that they're trying to just keep him healthy and realize that their year to contend isn't, isn't really there. Honestly, I know the Grizzlies have the spot right now, but I'm looking at the Blazers and the Spurs, uh, especially, with the return of Yusuf Nurkic, who has been absolutely incredible and uh, one of my favorite players to watch. So it's just so great to see him him healthy again. He is just such a tremendous all-around center. And, uh, I mean, a terrific shot blocker, one of the best passing centers in the league, and just so strong down there. He's been a joy to watch. He had a six-block game against the uh, Grizzlies. 
you know, I think one thing that I love is that, I mean, I'm just looking right now. I mean, when you're at, when you bring, come back and you're scoring 24 and nine and you're averaging five assists, that's going to help your team no matter what. And I think one of the major reasons they made the conference finals was Nurkis was there last year or did he get, did he get hurt? He got hurt. So it was a lot of Inez cancer last year. Right. And so, well, Nurkis played the whole year and then he got, when did he, I forgot. When he, he, got he got hurt. hurt. I want to say around March or February. Cause right. he was really playing some great ball. He was. And I think ha- who knows what could have happened had they been able to have Nurkis on the floor that I don't think they would have beaten Golden State still. You never know. Would have been he closer. Had, it would have been probably they probably could have stolen a game, maybe two, but I would definitely think they could have stolen a game. Still, I think right now with this team, Damian Lillard, I think we can pretty much say he's a top three point guard in the NBA. I'm pretty yeah, sure I would say so. I, so, you know, they're playing great basketball. It's just they happen to run into the Boston Celtics last night. And when you're running into a team like Boston, it's not always easy to come out on top, especially with the way they're coached, just overall. 30 from Nurkic, 30 from Lillard. But, you know, sometimes it's just not at all. Adding, just Boston. adding another star to that team is incredible. I mean, uh, the Grizzlies are not that formidable. So I, I'm honestly thinking that the, the Trailblazers get this because you just added, like, you just took your big two and made it a big three with Nurkic. And, and you still have Hassan Whiteside, who's an unbelievable well, not unbelievable, but really good rim protector. He's still a really good center. So now you have him off the bench. Uh, Carmelo has been playing great. They look the best right now, but I think the Spurs are also ready for these moments. And the common theme I see between the Pelicans and uh, the Grizzlies is quite simply a lack of experience. I love the way those rosters are assembled, and I really love the young talent on both teams for obvious reasons especially you look at the uh, the Grizzlies and just how many good young guys they have with John ja Morant, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks. But a lot of those guys are still super raw, and you can see such a substantial drop-off. Uh, some, some days Jaron Jackson looks like the future star I think he is, and other days, uh, like today, just the shot's not quite there. He still had 22 points, but – uh, seven of 17 shooting just two of eight from three and uh gotten a little bit of foul trouble too well, you know that's I, I, you know when it comes to young guys consistency can always be a big issue yeah white he'll have four games in a row where he drops 20 and the next night he goes two for 13 yeah and i think that's just because of an experience very rarely are you going to see a guy who is able to come in day in and day out and produce the way you need him to produce usually those guys are usually the contenders for rookie of the year. But even those guys, you know, towards the middle of the season, they can, you know, they can start dropping off. You know, there's going to be nights where John Morant goes, you know, three for 14 and he only has eight points and five assists. It's going to happen. But when you have multiple, forget multiple, when your entire team is made up of guys under 25 years old, your best you're bound to go through some speed bumps. And I think Memphis is there in terms of talent. They just, I think, they're way too raw, and I think they still got to go through some bumps in order to get there. Like, I look at John Morant today, 5 for 21, 1 for 10 from 3. I mean, you're going to have those days. You just got to yep. figure out. It's when you have your star player struggle that much, how do you as a team respond and execute and be able to 
get through that. And I thought that they could have gotten through it, but Zion just took over in the fourth quarter. So got to tip your hat off to him and move on to the next one and hope you're able to rebound from that. And I think they will be able to. I definitely think they'll be able to. But one thing I definitely um, think we also need to discuss is you, my friend, had a couple of teams you like in Denver, Miami, that we need to discuss. Yeah, yeah, let's definitely talk about – well, I, I'm not crazy high on Denver uh, right now. I mean, they're – I need to see them healthy, right? They looked good today against the we're, – we're recording this on uh, Monday night, by the way. They looked really good against the Thunder. Michael Porter Jr. had 37 points. Uh, I do have to call out – Leo on in, in the in Stefano and everybody mostly Leo <laughs> ragging on Jokic on on one of our pods and uh, I heard my name tossed in there so I got I got to say something the Jokic slander I've had enough all right this guy's the best center in the NBA he showed you why today he took over in overtime this guy's an absolute superstar and it's time we start treating him like one just because he's not uh, the most exciting dunker or. Uh, a dominant scorer. It doesn't make him not a superstar. If John Stockton was the superstar, then Nikola Jokic was a superstar. They're both uh, just unbelievable passers and uh, very clutch and not necessarily going to be the most consistently aggressive scorer. That being said, Jokic has grown substantially uh, since last year in the playoffs when he started to become more aggressive but he just totally took over in overtime. 30 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, two steals, uh, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He's been struggling from outside. But the real story here is what do the Nuggets have here in Michael Porter Jr.? Because this guy, when he has played, has had some great moments. But he led the team in minutes today with 44, went 12 of 16 from the field. That's four of six from deep, 37 points, 12 rebounds. And that is what they need when Jamal Murray and Will Barton come back. Uh, and so the Nuggets, I s- still have to see what it looks like. In theory, I like it, uh, but they got – they kind of get their butts whipped against Miami, and that's where I'm going to shift gears to talk about Miami, who uh, honestly looks like an insane dark horse to win the championship. They got the 20-point win over the Nuggets, almost took care of the Raptors, and uh, really had to fight back, and they showed a lot of toughness to be able to battle back from a huge deficit against Toronto today. But you look at the way this team's built, and they're tough as nails. They have a ton of outside shooting. And in, I guess it just makes basketball sense. And so in times like these, when we're trying to figure out what, time, what kind of team can win a championship, maybe it is a team that's just really tough, shoots well, and – is very well built because they are going to be an extremely difficult out in the East. But then again, so are the Raptors and the Raptors won that game for a reason. So both those teams are pretty healthy and that helps as well. Question is, do you have multiple guys that can get you 20 to 25 on any given night? Miami's one of those teams, Jimmy Butler, Kendrick Nunn, 
Duncan Robinson can get you that, and Goran Dragic can get that. Tyler Hero can give you that if he's having a good night shooting. Yeah. You know, but the one thing about this team is, you know, do they have a closer? They do. Jimmy Butler can close. Kendrick Nunn can take that last shot. We've seen Tyler Hero do it. We've seen Tyler Hero do it. Bam Adebayo has been Bam Adebayo. I've just I, – I watch the guy. I do love watching him play. He's such a smart basketball player, and they have one of the best easily – to me, I've always said this. There are coaches that are nice coordinators, and then there are good coaches. Yeah. I was shocked. That Stevens is a coach of the Alvin Gentry, Alvin Gentry is an offensive Alvin Gentry's an offensive coordinator. Yeah. He's a nice – he's nice – but Jim Boylan, he's a nice defensive coordinator. That's it. That's all – that's – some guys are just like that. Ron Adams, he's a good offense – is Ron an offensive or defensive guy? I think he's defense. Yeah, I think he's more defensive, but I'd love to see him be a head coach and give it a shot because he's, he's really been awesome for a long time. But still, I think, you know, but that's what we're seeing and – so right now, I think they have all the tools that you need to win. It's it's just a matter of are they going to be able to beat Milwaukee? And honestly, yeah. if Bledsoe and Constant aren't healthy, yeah, they probably can because I don't the Bucks. The Bucks looked good. They didn't look great against Houston. They definitely did not look great. They had a lot of mistakes. It was puzzling down the stretch. <laughs> they played like. Shit, the last two minutes. Absolutely terrible. It was James really- Harden just punking Giannis and, and with his defense. With his defense. And, the, you know, what I saw was a Rockets team that I'm pretty sure set – I, I don't know if you're ever – how many teams are going to shoot 60 damn threes in a game? Shoot 61 threes. Yeah. And yeah. they still won the game. I mean, they, i got to yeah. be honest. They played terrible. The Rockets and did. still managed to shoot around 35 still managed to win the too. game. Yeah. Yeah. Still managed to win. Credit to Harden, credit to Westbrook for sticking through it. Harden had six deals in that game, and he was fabulous. But when he came, when he turned the ball over twenty-two times, and I think they turned the ball over four times in the last two minutes, you're not going to win a ball game. Oh, well, I go ahead. You can't squander having your three best players on the court all having phenomenal games. You can't you can't blow an opportunity like that. I was really surprised. Uh, we were texting about it earlier, and you, you talked about how maybe seeing Giannis a little bit more at the center, I would have liked to see that too. Uh, but it was just strange because, in theory, I thought there's no way that the Rockets win that game just because the Bucks are just as quick. You know what I mean? Uh, but the small ball stuff has really been working. Russell Westbrook's been playing out of his mind. Let's get into the Rockets in a second. Before we move on from the East, I got to ask you, so like – are the Bucks still the favorite to come out of the East? Because that was what we were thinking. So you're shaking your head vehemently. So absolutely for you. Absolutely. Okay. Think, and the reason for that is once these guys get healthy, I mean, I'm watching that team. I watch that team every game. That offense, that chemistry offensively is nothing. No one else has it. I mean, the teams run well, but when you put – the Heat and the Raptors might. The Raptors might, but whenever they run the Bucks, they always run into problems. They they have enough wing depth to be able to beat them. The question is, will they be able to score with them? I think they might be able to, but the Bucks, the one thing that they have when everyone's healthy is they have the deepest bench in the league, arguably. 
And I think that they just overall, when you add, it's just, they got Giannis. No one else has Giannis. Yeah. Giannis. Superstar power. It proves to be important every year. I look at this heat team, like a, a lot like the 2004 Pistons, you know, there's not one guy who's a superstar. Jimmy Butler's close, but they have a bunch of really good players in a really, really deep bench. Because you, you could make the argument that uh, the Heat are just as deep. I, I definitely think you can make that argument. I definitely think it's there. I think that it's no, a no-brainer that the Bucks have a better starting five with Chris Middleton and Giannis. But if would, we're looking at the bench, <laughs> the Heat got a deep bench. Yeah, that's true. And also, Brooke Lopez, who has been maybe the somehow turned a shot blocking deity this entire year. Yeah. Although, if they're going to win, he has to shoot better from three. I mean, he has been absolutely atrocious. This, this year has not been a good shooting year for him. No. So, he's going to have to step up. When he's shooting under 30% from three for the whole year, it's not going to help your situation. So, he's definitely got to step up for that. But right now, I've got no doubt in my mind the Bucs are still the best team, clear in a way in the Eastern Conference. Could they? Could it change? Yes. But if Bledsoe and Conson are healthy – you're talking about a team that can easily play 12 guys on the floor if they really, really want to, but they have a good, solid – they have a good, solid eight-man rotation, eight or nine guys they can throw in there. They can throw – they got Lopez, Chris, then you got Giannis, then you throw in Marv Williams, Lopez, Hill. How, they have 10 guys, really, that they can throw out there and play at least 20 minutes and play off the bench 15, 20 minutes on yeah. any given night. And they'll be able to get you. And a lot of teams just have eight good players. When you have those nine and tenth guys, it makes a huge difference, especially let's say you're up by ten points, you know, at the start you of the rest quarter, your stars, yeah. You can rest your stars and you can trust that those guys are gonna come in there and they can make it a fifteen point game before you maybe have to go in for two more minutes just to make sure the game doesn't, you know, becomes a blowout. You know, or you know, just to make sure, hey, we're up by 12. We're up by 13. we got eight minutes to go. Let's put Giannis in for another two or three minutes and just close this thing out. Well, it, it would, I think the team that uh, we've been failing to give enough credit to right now is the team that just beat the Heat, a uh, team that beat the Lakers, uh, the defending champion. I mean, the Toronto Raptors, they're a team that can uh, go extremely deep, and they beat the crap out of the Lakers down the stretch. And then uh, Miami clawed back. But if I'm looking at one team with some impressive wins in the Eastern Conference right now, it's the team that just beat Miami, who looked hotter than hell, and then uh, took care of the Lakers as well, who's most people's favorite to win the championship. And I think what makes them so interesting is, is it going to be Van Vliet who leads the team in scoring? Is it going to be Lowry? Is it going to be Powell? Is it going to be Siakam? Is it going to be Ibaka? Uh, that is a really tough cookie to crack. They play unbelievable defense. And you talked about uh, teams just with great passing and great chemistry. I think that the, the top four in the East, and I'm not crazy about Boston, so we haven't really talked about them. I, I don't think I have them in that same tier. But I look at the top three rather than, right? That Now, Boston does do this very well, but I just need to see a little bit more out of them. But the Raptors, the Heat, and the Bucks can all move the hell out of the basketball. And uh, 
they can kill you with their defense, their shooting, and they're all pretty big too. You know, I, I definitely think Toronto has a legit shot to go to the finals again. And you want to talk about a show. It was the Fred Van Fleet show today. 36, new career high. Absolutely superb. I thought Miami did a very solid job playing the way they did, but it just came up short. You know, that happens sometimes, especially when a guy's having his day. With that team, I think with Toronto, I think it's going to be top score by committee. It's just going to depend on who's got the hot hand that day, but it's, I think that they're always going to default to Siakam. Every time it's going to be trying to get the ball in his hands as much as they can. Siakam was 7-14. He had a very, very nice game, 22 points, six rebounds, three assists, and a steal, another, one steal on the day at the office for him. You know, but I think it's going to be very interesting with Toronto because, you know, you don't have that guy in Kawhi who you know last two minutes of a game, you can give him the ball in isolation and right. make something happen. Siakam can do that, but I think Siakam is not the – he's not – at, at a quality level of isolation. Your closer is probably Lowry at this point. Kyle Lowry, I would tend to agree. And if, you know, it, 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 there's 30 seconds to go, you know, I mean, Kyle Lowry is a very nice player, but Kyle Lowry is also, you know, who knows at this point? I mean, when you're a smaller guard, you're six feet tall, it's going to be hard to be able to create that shot unless you're shooting a step back three or a step back mid-range. It's going to be very hard to create that thing. I honestly think I, – I disagree with you. It's probably Fred Van Fleet taking that last shot. I'm at that point where I think Fred is probably the closer now if it's not Siakam getting the ball. I mean, honestly, uh, I'd feel okay with either one of those guys. I mean, I'd feel better about Kawhi Leonard than either. But <laughs> Well, of course. But when you don't have they that – They got some weapons. They got some dogs, man. Uh, they have a great coach. They have a great system, and they have a great identity. Defense first, ask questions later. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's time to talk about the Houston Rockets. Who? Yes, we do. They beat the Mavericks, uh, one fifty three, one forty nine, and it was a dog fight the whole way. And they really, pretty much, did the same thing with the Bucks, where uh, it was a dog fight the, the whole way. And then they were the better team down the stretch. Uh, the Rockets were down seven with under a minute left when they uh, managed to climb back and beat the Mavericks. And, you know, James Harden came out hotter than blazes. He had uh, 49 points in the game against the Mavs. Almost a, almost a 50-point triple-double. 49 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, uh, three steals. And they took uh, 48 threes against the Mavericks. Then they follow up that showing with just a ludicrous game against the Bucks. that kind of broke my basketball brain. Like, what did you witness? Obviously, uh, producing at ESPN, you know, you're, you're dialed in. You're watching that game. How did the Rockets win? Bucks gave them the win. That's what happened. Bucks had the game in hand, and then they just – Then Giannis had two horrible turnovers. <laughs> it, just, it, was, it was a disaster. Me and, my, me and the guys were in the studio. We're watching this like – why the hell is Houston still in this game? Why are the Bucks not winning this game? And then I I knew the Rockets were going to shoot a lot of threes. But 61? I beg your pardon. 61. And they got destroyed on the glass, 65 to 36. Destroyed. So here, here, here's a very simple fact, in my opinion. If you can't rebound, 
you're not going to win in the playoff. Houston, Houston's going to have some problems rebounding. I mean, Russ is a great player. But when, you best, when your best rebounders on the floor is a 6'3 guard and, oh, and James Harden, it's going to be a little bit harder when you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James trying to box you out. I think you're going to have some problems. Or Dwight Howard boxing you out or Jarrell McGee boxing you out. They're going to get those rebounds. So when they run into a team like the Lakers, I don't see a way for them to be able to – I mean, they can keep up with them, but do I see them beating them? No. I just don't see it unless you're able to do what you're doing now and you're able to hit 20, 20 to 25 threes every game and literally just play at the three-point line. Well, that's kind of a plan. <laughs> it's like, not a bad plan, but, I mean, it's like I, – I, I don't – I've never seen a team that just goes, you know what, we, we, we're going to shoot threes. No. We're going to shoot 60 of – we're going to shoot two out of every three shots as three-pointers. I mean, it's fine, but how – I don't know how that's going to work long-term. I have yeah. no idea how in the world that's going to work. And I still got to watch it more because it's just mind-boggling to me to see the teams they, they beat. Uh, you know, one has Kristaps Porzingis and the other has Giannis. Obviously, Luka Doncic is a pretty big boy as well. But, you know, the Mavs like to play fast. So do the Bucks. All these teams can shoot. The Rockets made it into a track meet, constantly getting the free throw line against the Mavs. Uh, and the Mavs did a really good job at that as well. Uh, between the two teams, uh, 77 free throws taken, 38 for the Mavs, 39 uh, for the Rockets. And then uh, they did a lot of the same work against the Bucks getting to the line 31 times. So they're getting to the free throw line. Uh, they're knocking down threes. They're getting a ton of steals. The Bucks had 22 turnovers. So I asked how they beat the Bucks. You said the Bucks beat themselves essentially. Well, yeah, maybe you're right when you turn the ball over at that volume and especially uh, the way they were doing it down the stretch. But then once again, that's how they beat the Mavericks. They forced 20 turnovers by the Mavericks. And they only had nine turnovers themselves, which uh, is the same figure that they had against the Bucks. And so the advantage of having all these smaller players on the court is you do have a lot of times you're going to be quicker. You're going to have uh, better passing and you have shooting. And so, and, and then Doris Burke made an excellent point when I, while I was watching the broadcast against the Mavericks that when you have five guys on the outside, it creates so much uh, driving room for a team with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And so I was hating on these guys pretty hard for a while, but now they have my attention and I'm wondering what's going to happen when, uh, I mean, their next games against the trailblazers tomorrow. And I'm really excited for that, but I'm just wondering what's this going to look like? Is it actually sustainable? Because when you beat the Mavericks and then the Bucks, you have my attention, especially the Bucks, a team that I thought was going to decimate them because of I, I thought Giannis and Middleton were just going to be too big and athletic. Uh, and I maybe if I'm Budenholzer, congratulations for Coach of the Year for Mike, by the way. But maybe if I'm him, I'm running Giannis at the five and Chris Middleton at the four. DiVincenzo at the small forward, and I'm trying to go just as small as they are. Uh, but, well, that's impossible because you got Giannis. But I don't know. I don't know what they're doing yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. But 
I really don't know what the answer to playing against it is, but that's kind of the beauty of what the Rockets are doing is a lot of people are trying to figure it out. I think Giannis at the five is probably the best answer at that point, because if I'm looking at small ball, I mean, you're not going to get a better small ball five than Giannis who can yeah. do everything you possibly want. I think if they're going to run a small ball lineup, it'll be Bledsoe at the one, probably be DiVincenzo at the two or Connaughton, Wes Matthews at the three, Middleton at the four, and then Giannis at the five. That would be my guess as to what they would do. It'd either be DiVincenzo or Pat Connaughton. And I think – they could definitely run that, and you would have some problems matchup-wise if you're the Rockets, because while you're gonna have you're gonna have the same amount, of sh- you're gonna have a little bit better shooting on the floor, and you're gonna have a better, you know, guys who can create Westbrook and Harden. Bledsoe has proven that he can. He, he's got the defensive skills to slow down at least, or at least check Harden momentarily, and at least Westbrook a little bit. He can keep he can keep pace with them in terms of defense. He's such an important player for them, and it is definitely worth noting that uh, they're missing his absence. They they were able to take care of the Celtics without him and lost a tight one with the Rockets, but they probably win that game with Bledsoe, right? Yeah, I think they do. Uh, but I, I thought it would be a five- or ten-point game either way because I thought, well, this is the Rockets and the Bucks. It's not – you know, if you would have told me back in March who's going to win, I probably would have said the Bucks, but – Houston's still a great team, no matter what way you swing it. You got Harden and Westbrook, two of the best players in NBA history on your team. Yeah. You're going to have some problems beating those guys on any given night. It's not just going to be a blowout every – you know, it's not going to be a blowout just because they have a center 6'5". It's not the case. This is a different kind of NBA that we're playing in now. And I think it could work. But like I said, I think if you run into a team like the Lakers, who has a 6'8 point guard and a 7-foot – um, power forward who can score 35 a game on you whenever the heck he wants. And then you got a player over there at 6'8 who can drive to the basket and score 30 and get 15 assists whenever he wants. I think you're going to run into problems. Now, other teams in the West, I don't know. Because you can run to the Clippers, and I think they'd have a lot of problems because they have very good wing depth and the Clippers are so well coached. The and Clippers they- could also put Kawhi and Paul George or Pat Bev. Uh, they're going to have the best bet as far as like guarding those guys on the perimeter. Uh, when you look at uh, slowing down Westbrook on the penetration in particular, and uh, James Harden will just beat you any way he can. He's so crafty. It seems like think, he has a different trick every game. <laughs> the the we, If you want to stop Harden, first of all, you have to force him to his right, and you've got to force him off balance as best you can and force him to stick in the three-point line. You can get Harden to shoot. I mean, he was three for 12 and three, and he was only – and he only dro- – think about that. He only drove inside twice. Twice. Wow. Every other shot was from three. So if you can force that and force him to really limit his driving opportunities and ability – because he kept getting in the line, but still, if you're able to – force him to stay on the perimeter as much as you can, that can definitely help. If you force Russell Westbrook to take more than four or five threes because you're able to close off driving lanes, they're going to have problems. If you can make Russ a shooter from three, that's going to help slow them down tremendously. I just think with this team, it's hard to stop them because they're, they're an enigma. 
Yeah. There's something we have not seen before. Yeah. So it's hard to game plan for something that no one knows what the hell is going to happen. Yeah. But you definitely know they're going to shoot at least 53s a game. You know that's going to happen. So you just have to do your best to game plan for it. But the way you win is you beat them on the boards and you limit your turnovers. If you limit the turnovers. Yeah, you have to limit the turnovers. As long as you limit your turnovers, you can beat them. Yeah. The problem is because they are so quick on the floor, they can get you into – they can also trap. They They're a very good defensive team. It doesn't they make are. a ton of sense. I think the uh, X factor is Rob Covington. Having a guy – I mean, when he went up and blocked Perzingis the other night, that was kind of eye-opening for me because I I've, I like Covington. He is a Chicago guy. Uh, do you remember where he went to high school? I, I'm going to have to look it up real quick. Um, but I know it was a Chicago high school. Uh, but anyway, he is a guy that they absolutely need because they can still play small ball and have him be their power forward or, or their center. But he is going to also knock down the three, and he's far and away uh, their best low post defender. Wait, wait, wait. I think I don't, didn't he go to Proviso? I'm, I'm trying to find it right now. I think he went to Proviso, east or west. I forget. Let's see. Yeah, he did. He went to Proviso West. Okay, there it is. 18 yeah. points, 11 rebounds, and seven blocks per game as a senior. He's, he's a beast. <laughs> That's not bad. Seven blocks a game is not bad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, even when his offense isn't there, he – Shows up in big ways. He was so clutch against the Mavs. Um, 11 points, 13 – or I'm sorry, 11 rebounds, 13 points. And then uh, once again, a nice game against the Bucks with his 15 points and seven rebounds. But he's kind of the glue that makes it work. I agree. I think, you know, he's definitely a part – you know, the thing that – this wouldn't work if they didn't have super tremendous quality 3-and-D wings. P.J. Tucker's yeah. a great 3-and-D wing. Robert Cummings is one of the best 3-and-D wings in the league. And Daniel House, I think, also is in Came out of the scene. Talk about a guy coming out of the scene. Yeah, this guy is awesome. He is an athlete. He is a shooter. He is getting a lot more minutes since uh, basketball resumed. He uh, played 43 in the overtime victory over the Mavs. He played 31 against the Bucks. This guy is now in the rotation as far as I'm concerned. And uh, it's 6'6", 220. He's what they need as far as like having an athletic rebounder, just another guy out there who is able to get, get some rebounds, uh, get out and run, and fit that small ball identity perfectly. You know, he does the things that you need to. He's a good shooter, solid athletic, and he's just exactly what they need. And the it's just somehow they're making this work. You know, I liked the fact that they were able to get back. They got Jeff Green. Was Jeff Green playing during the season, or did they have to – oh, no, that was Luke and Bob Mute. I'm sorry. That's who they got. Jeff Green has been a very nice, very nice addition for them. And I think it's just – God, it fits, man. The way they, yeah. What they do, it fits with D'Antoni and that team. If the boot fits, wear the damn boot. Yeah, and they, see they, if you can walk into the finals. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that they could, but I think 
beating the Clippers and the Lakers. And the Lakers, because you're probably going to have to beat both of them. That is a tall task. Yeah. That's a tall task. But I think it's a tall test, task to say you have to go through the Rockets and then you got to play the Lakers, because I expect the Rockets to make the second round of the playoffs, wherever they are. Depending, if there's, so are they the fifth seed right now? Uh, right now they're the fourth after the – Fourth. Uh, yeah, the, the Jazz just lost. So if it all ended today, it would be Rockets-Jazz. Uh, I do think that they hang on to that home court. I wouldn't be terribly surprised. They're only a game and a half behind the Nuggets. Uh, time is of the essence, but Denver's not healthy right now. Uh, I know they looked good today, but Jamal Murray is without a doubt in the world their second-best player. Uh, Michael Porter, at his best, is probably their third-best offensive player, not necessarily their third-best player. He has a lot of defensive potential. He gets a lot of blocks. He uses his length really well. Uh, people forget how athletic this guy is. But without Gary Harris, your perimeter defender, Michael or Will Barton, excuse me, who's essentially your backup point guard slash starting small forward in Jamal Murray, this is not the Denver Nuggets. You know, like, it, it, it is. That's the team. They're all wearing the uniform. But that is nowhere close to who they are, especially when you consider the two-man game that they run uh, so much with uh, Jamal Murray in the kind of year Will Barton was having. So this is a time for the Rockets to maybe sneak up and gain some ground there. They're going to have a tough test against the Blazers, and then they play the Lakers on Thursday. But I wouldn't be surprised. So I think a good way to wrap up this episode is let's each do our top four teams in order in the West and in the East. Do you want to get started? You can pick either either kind. Sure. I'll do the East. I would say it is the Bucks. Uh, then I'll probably go Raptors. And then hmm, I would probably say third is probably Miami for now. And then fourth would be Boston. However, that third and fourth is very interchangeable. I still think Boston is very slept on. And I think – now they've got a superstar in Jason Tatum, who I would say is definitely emerging into a potential superstar and yeah. just getting better and better by the day. It's been really incredible. As for the West, I would say right now it's the Lakers one, the Clippers two, the Rockets three, and I would put I'd put the Nuggets four for now, but the team that's looked the best, I mean, can we argue Dallas has looked like the best team out of this right now i mean they've lost right now i mean you could well, i mean they that, lost their two games so i would that's true. No i mean could, but i still think we you know we were discussing but, but they lost very close games is the weird thing like right. they, they blew two games like they had those games won so uh, i think you know maybe they're not there but i think right now you've got i think the top four in the west is going to be the top four in the west those are clearly the four best teams i think dallas could be that fifth best team but right now, I would say it's probably the Rockets are three and the Nuggets are four. Okay. And I think the Nuggets can definitely flip back to three once they're healthy. But right now, the Rockets are definitely the third best team for sure in the Western Conference. Okay. I think I got to go with the exact same 
uh, top four in the East, at least. Um, it's definitely, despite the loss, I think the Bucks are still the best team. Uh, the Raptors are definitely my number two after beating the Heat. Uh, I'm more impressed than with the Heat than I am. Uh, if Sabonis was healthy, I'd be way higher on the Pacers. TJ Warren is on a mission playing some inspired basketball right now, uh, but I don't think that they have the firepower to really mess with some of these teams. So my fourth team, I'm actually going to go out on, on a limb and I'm going to go uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, you got a very healthy Joel Embiid. They have not been uh, great. You know, they lost a really tight game to the Pacers. Uh, kind of, I was kind of shocked by that, but they hold off the Spurs comeback tonight in what was really a nail biter and Embiid when he is healthy, he is dominant. Uh, I like what they're doing now that they have switched Al Horford uh, to kind of being more of a backup center instead of trying to force that to work. Uh, So I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say the, the Sixers, even though my logic says uh, go with the Celtics. Now, when I go out west, that's where things get a little bit a little bit interesting because the Raptors did just knock off the Lakers, and you could really make a case for the lack, the the Raptors being the number one team in the East right now. By the way, uh, but I think I still, gosh, well. You know what? I'm going to go with the Clippers. I'm going to go with the Clippers. Uh, I know that they lost the two-point game uh, to the Lakers on the game winner, but after seeing what happened between the Raptors and the Clippers and how close that one was, I'm, I'm going to go Clippers, the best team in the West right now. Uh, I'm going to go the Lakers, number two. I'm going to go the Rockets, number three. And number four, uh, I got to go with the Denver Nuggets, even though they're not quite there yet. I got to go with the Denver Nuggets, and they could probably climb up to three uh, once they are fully healthy. I definitely like that list, and I like that you put in the 76ers. It's just with that team, you know, I don't know where their heads had heads at half the time. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly is this team's identity. You know, they've been Simmons, you know, they ben just made a lot out. of changes to it, so maybe they're trying to figure out their identity too. But right now, the identity is Shake Milton, who made a huge market tonight, is the starting point guard, and you have a power point forward uh, in Ben Simmons, who had a horrible game tonight. I mean, Ben, you know, I don't really know with him. He, he, he can shoot the three, and he doesn't decide to shoot the three. And if he does, he might shoot one or two a game. I don't really understand why you cannot just simply say, you know what? It's a new day in the NBA. I think I should probably shoot a damn three ball. Maybe Joel Embiid, take him next year. He probably will, but Joel Embiid is not a three-point shooter. Joel Embiid, back you down to the basket, guy. Drive, get to the line, do my Very thing. Very good. good uh, yeah, yeah. And he was, he was having his way against the Pacers and uh, got off to a slow start kind of against the Spurs, but – eventually was able to uh, be the dominant player he is. He had uh, 27 points, 9 of 17, got to the foul line a ton. 
But yeah, uh, but one thing I do know is that if you look at that team, it's just Joel Embiid. I mean, he's not going to shoot that much. If he does shoot threes, he's not. He might shoot three to five, and that's going to be about his average. But he's shooting that because he keeps the defense honest, and he's yeah. able to keep guys on their toes. Like, hey, he can pull up here and he can shoot it. Whereas Ben Simmons, you can guard him eight feet away. You know, if he's at the three-point line, you can literally give him five, two, three, four feet space and just focus on the other guys. It's just when he gets inside, that can be a problem. But if you limit yourself, become a one-dimensional player and don't shoot the three, that's going to be a problem. That's a huge problem. And, you know, as a guy, if you want to take your game to that next level, if you're not a center, because, you know, back then if you were a traditional center, you could play – Taking your game to the next level was shooting an 18-foot jumper. Now in the NBA, if you want to take your game to the next level, you've got to be able to shoot three and got to be able to shoot it consistently at least a 30 to 35% clip, I would say. If you really want to be taken seriously, it's got to be at least 33%. Yeah, and I'm glad he's taken less. Uh, he only took two tonight against the Spurs, didn't make either of them. But that's uh, fine. But that's, but, but that's Embiid's game. Embiid's game is – he, know, he had every mismatch in the world in this game to go down low. So what incentive do you have instead of not playing – what incentive does he have to not just to just not play on the block at all and go to the three-point line and stand out there? I really don't think he does. If you're playing bam out of bio, yeah, you're going to shoot more threes. But no one in the Spurs is going to be able to guard you. Stay in the paint, hit your fadeaways, hit your hooks, and just do your thing down low. Yeah, that that's a fair point. Uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap this one up, my friend? We got another good game. We got another nice slate of games tomorrow, though. Say it's not as the equivalent as we've had the last couple of days. But it's still going to be a nice game. The game I'm definitely watching is going to be Boston and Miami. That's going to be a yeah. Game. That really will be a good one. Let's let's go through those. Uh, we got six six predictions, rapid fire. Uh, you go, then I go. Uh, Brooklyn at Milwaukee. Milwaukee by by at least eight. I'm also taking Milwaukee. Dallas at Sacramento. And they're all obviously in Disney World. So Dallas versus Sacramento. Um, I am going to take the Dallas Mavericks. In I'm also Sacramento. going Mavs there. I, uh, I could smell the Kings pulling that one out as well. Who knows? That's That Kings team, when they got hot, they can really score in bunches. But I think the Mavs are going to blow them out after suffering two really close. Should be wins as losses. Uh, I thought it was very interesting how you still have a ton of confidence in them. And frankly, I see why, because uh, they're still a very good team. Uh, Phoenix, who just upset the Mavs against the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm going to take the Clippers in that one, but I actually think this is going to be a game that's within 10 points. Okay. I think that Phoenix, you know, they, Phoenix is not a – I think Phoenix has a lot of promise and they can give you some problems. But I think that – um I think the Clippers are starting to – I think they're starting to get ready for their long playoff run. But who yeah. knows? In the, in the bubble, anything anything goes, really, I feel like. It's anybody's game, I feel like. It really is. It is. I, I'm going bubble. Clippers in that one. Just uh, better team. Uh, better team. And I think they're starting to really uh, bring it together. I, I think they're going to be very hard to beat. Uh, Orlando against the Pacers. I am going to take the Jonathan Isaacless uh, magic. By the way, I would like to say one. Get thing well soon. That, by the way, God bless that man. He, you know, I gotta say he made he made his own decision on what he wanted to do with the whole kneeling thing. And I think anybody who wants to bash him for doing that, I think is absolutely ridiculous. Everyone has a right to say what they want in terms of that, especially right. someone he just feels 
this chronologically kneeling to God. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with that statement. And then you have the nerve to have people on, oh, I always like to call them assholes, but the nerve to go, well, you didn't kneel for the anthem. I guess that's what they call karma. Uh, no. It's a pretty tasteless joke to be saying, uh, I saw someone say that uh, he had a knee taken from him or something like that because he right, didn't take a knee. Was, Pretty tasteless. It is tasteless. And I, I think in today's time, everyone needs to just chill a little bit. We have, people are going to have different, different – you're going to have a differentiation of opinions in terms of politics and people's stance on everything in life. For you to just throw that to the side and basically give them the finger and go, you're wrong, your way, that, that doesn't get us anywhere. And it only leads to more and more division, which doesn't help anybody. So if we're going to have, especially for something like this, and we're just going to make fun of a guy who just blew out his ACL, which is something no one wants to deal with. Ask my dad. It's a pain in the ass to get back, come back from. It's a pain in the ass. You know, we shouldn't be wishing harm on people or saying, well, good riddance. Bye-bye. He didn't kneel for the anthem. Yeah, I agree. It, just, it doesn't, it doesn't, where are we going with that? It doesn't whether, any- whether or not you respect someone's opinion, you, I think we got to respect people. And, right. uh, you know, people disagreed with Jonathan Isaac. Uh, I don't necessarily want to get into that uh, issue per se, but I respect a player's choice to kneel. I respect a player's choice to stand. Uh, Greg Popovich stood, and he is one of the most vocal uh, presence in the NBA. And if you've been paying attention, you know that this is nothing new for him. He's been constantly speaking out uh, against the president of the United States for a few years now. Uh, he has been talking about racial equality before it was cool. And so he stood. No one's uh, taking shots at Popovich. Well, yeah, I just think, you know, if someone has a different opinion than you that doesn't make them some kind of terrible person. Yeah, you know, I that agree. You're trying to make out, like, Jonathan Isaac doesn't, stand, doesn't kneel up the anthem, all of a sudden he's an asshole. Like, no, yeah. that's not, you don't even know. You don't even know people on Twitter. Do you know the damn guy? No. So right. shut up. So Pacers, Pacers magic. I'm going Pacers here. I'm going to go with the magic in that one. Okay. Uh, Boston, Miami. That's, that's a real good one. I'm going to take, I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to take Boston in this one. I'm going to go Boston as well, especially with Miami. This is actually a sneaky back-to-back. They they uh, played the first game uh, today on Monday, but then they're, this is a back-to-back game against a really good team, so I think Boston wins this one. And then I'm, I think – because Houston, uh, yeah, they've been doing pretty darn well. They've looked very, very good. I think Houston's going to keep it going. I think I'm going to take Houston in that one because I think Houston is out to prove something. And if they can go 3-0 and – that team looks mighty, mighty interesting. I'm Especially going the- Portland here. Uh, I'm going Portland. I think that uh, Nurkic is going to have a monster game. And I think that maybe Portland limits those turnovers. I think Damian Lillard might have Westbrook's number. I don't know. Oh Just thinking back to last playoffs. And I think this is that's the game I'm looking forward to the most. It could go either way. Call it a hunch, I'm going Blazers. That being said, 
I thought the Rockets were going to lose their first games, first two games too. So I could absolutely be wrong. In this bubble, we're just going to see like you, you, Rockets might lose to. Yeah, they could have a great win against the Lakers. They could win by 20 against the Lakers, and the next night they go out and they lose to Phoenix in the next game. You just don't know in the bubble, especially in the yeah. NBA. Anybody can be beat on a good night. We're going to find out. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Well, Josh, uh, pleasure talking to you as always. We'll have to uh, get another one rolling soon. Uh, and we'll just keep you guys updated as we enjoy this uh, basketball with you. Uh, please give us a like uh, wherever you listen to your pods. And we have an Instagram now. I made a little Instagram, uh, only two pictures on there, but uh, just one way, one more way to uh, interact with us. And uh, we want to definitely keep this as a, a podcast uh, that serves the fans and uh, engages our community. So uh, get in touch. A uh, great way to do that's on the Instagram for now. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Artwork for the Hoopstradamus Basketball Podcast was provided by Evan Butris. Check out more of Evan's graphic design work at www.evanb.work or on Instagram at The Wax Cowboy. That handle once again, The Wax Cowboy.